are listening to the most original talk radio station anywhere. We are L.A. Talk Radio at latalkradio.com. You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. You are now entering the Sapphire Planet. You are now in the Sapphire Planet. Queen Elizabeth II, often referred to simply as QE2, is an ocean liner built for the Cunard Line, which was operated by Cunard as both a transatlantic liner and a cruise ship from 1969 to 2008. She was designed for the transatlantic service from her home port of Southampton, United Kingdom, to New York, and was named after an earlier canard liner, RMS Queen Elizabeth. She served as the flagship of the line from 1969 until succeeded by RMS Queen Mary II in 2004. Designed in Cunard's then headquarters and regional offices in Liverpool and Southampton respectively and built in Clydebank, Scotland. She was considered to be the last of the great transatlantic ocean liners until the construction of the Queen Mary II was announced. Before she was retrofitted with diesel power plant in 1986-87, QE2 was also the last oil-fired passenger steamship to cross the Atlantic in the scheduled liner service. During almost 40 years of service, the QE2 undertook regular world cruises and laterally operated predominantly as a cruise ship, sailing out of Southampton, England. QE2 had no running mate and never ran a year-round weekly transatlantic express service to New York. QE2 did, however, continue the Cunard's tradition a regular scheduled transatlantic crossing every year of her service life. 
QE2 was never designated RMS or Royal Mail Ship. QE2 retired from active Cunard service on November 27, 2008. She was acquired by Isthmar, the private equity firm of Dubai World, which planned to begin conversion of the vessel to a 500-room floating hotel moored at the Palm Jumeirah, Dubai. In July 2012, Istamar announced that conversion would take about 18 months. On December 23, 2012, it was reported that the QE2 had been sold for scrapping to China for 20 million pounds. However, Kennard dismissed the reports as pure speculation. The ship has a gross tonnage of 70,327 and is 963 feet or 294 meters long. She had a top speed of 32.5 knots or 60.2 kilometers per hour with her original steam turbines. This was increased to 34 knots or 63 kilometers per hour when the vessel was re-engined with diesel-electric power plant. By the mid-1960s, transatlantic travel was dominated by air travel due to its speed and low cost relative to the sea route, and expansions of air travel showed no signs of slowing down. Conversely, the Queen Mary and Queen Elizabeth were becoming increasingly expensive to operate and both, internally and externally, were relics of the pre-war years. Cunard did not want to give up the business of passenger service, and so gambled $80 million on a new ocean liner to replace the original aging Queens. Realizing the decline of transatlantic trade and the rising costs of fuel and labor, Kennard decided their new ship had to be smaller and cheaper to operate than her predecessor. The new ship was designed to run at the same service speed of 28.5 knots, or 52.8 kilometers per hour, as the previous Queens, using half the fuel. Staff was also reduced from the levels of the old vessels. QE2 would also be able to transit the Panama Canal, and her draft was seven feet less than her predecessors, allowing her to enter ports that the old queens could not, and compete with the new generations of cruise ships. Originally designated Q4, a previous ship designed Q3 had been abandoned due to failing passenger revenues on the North Atlantic. She was to be a three-class liner, However, looking to the France, designs were changed to make Q4 a two-class liner 
that could be modified into a single-class cruise ship. Transatlantic line voyages in the summer would be two-class, while warmer water cruises in the winter would be single-class. The Queen Elizabeth II was built by the Upper Clyde Shipbuilders in the John Brown Shipyard in Clydebank, Scotland. The keel was laid down on July 5, 1965, as hole number 736 on the same plot were iconic liners such as Lusitania, Aquantania, Queen Mary, and Queen Elizabeth had been constructed. She was launched and named on September 20, 1967, by Queen Elizabeth II, using the same pair of gold scissors her mother and grandmother used to launch the Queen Elizabeth and the Queen Mary, respectively. On November 19, 1968, she left John Brown's fitting out berth and traveled down the River Clyde to the Firth of Clyde, Dry Dock, and Inch Green, Greenock, for the final trials and commissioning. After sea trials in the Irish Sea, a shakedown cruise to Las Palmas set out on April 22, 1969. The Queen Elizabeth II's maiden voyage from Southampton to York commenced on May 2, 1969, taking four days 16 hours and 35 minutes. However, Prince Charles was the first civilian passenger to board the ship on her voyage from the shipyard in Clyde Bank to Dry Dock in Green Rock. On board for the short journey was her master designate and first captain, William Bill Warwick. In 1971, she participated in the rescue of some 500 passengers from the burning French line ship Antilles. On May 17, 1972, while traveling from New York to Southampton, she was the subject of a bomb threat. She was searched by her crew and a combined special air service and special boat service team, which parachuted into the sea to conduct a search of the ship. No bomb was found, but the hoaxer was arrested by the FBI. The following year, the QE-2 undertook two chartered cruises through the Mediterranean to Israel in commemoration of the 25th anniversaries of the state's founding. As it was known then, the Columbia restaurant was koshered for Passover and Jewish passengers were able to celebrate Passover on the ship. In May 1982, the ship took part in the Falklands War, carrying 3,000 troops and 650 volunteer crew to the South Atlantic. She was retrofitted in Southampton in preparation for war service including the installation of three helicopter pads, the transformation of public lounges into dormitories, the installation of fuel pipes that ran through the ship down to the engine room to allow for refueling at sea, 
and the covering of carpets with 2,000 sheets of hardboard. Over 650 Canard crew members volunteered for the voyage to look after the 3,000 members of the 5th Infantry Brigade, which the ship transported to South Georgia. During the voyage, the ship was blacked out and the radar switched off in order to avoid detection, steaming on without modern aids. The QE-2 returned to the UK in June 1982, where she was greeted in Southampton Water by Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother, on board the royal yacht Britannia. Peter Jackson, the captain of the QE-2, responded to the Queen Mother's welcome. Please convey to Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother, our thanks for her kind message. Queen Canard's Queen Elizabeth II is proud to have been a service to Her Majesty's forces. The ship underwent conversion back to passenger service, with her funnel being painted in the traditional canard orange, with black stripes which are known as hands. At the same time, the hull's exterior was repainted an unconventional light pebble gray. This color proved unpopular with passengers, as well as difficult to maintain, so the hull reverted to its traditional colors in 1983. Later that year, QE2 was fitted with a magradome over her quarter deck pool. QE2 once again experienced mechanical issues following her annual overhaul in November 1983. Boiler problems caused Canard to cancel a cruise, and in October 1984, an electrical fire caused a complete loss of power. The ship was delayed for several days before power could be restored. Instead of replacing the QE2 with a newer vessel, Canard decided that it was more prudent to simply make improvements to her. Therefore, in 1986-87, QE2 underwent one of her most significant refurbishments when she was converted from steam to diesel power. Nine man B&W diesel electric engines, new propellers, and new equipment to capture heat expelled by the engines were fitted. With her new propulsion system, QE2 was expected to serve another 20 years with Canard. The passengers' accommodations were also modernized. On August 7, 1992, the hull was extensively damaged when she ran aground south of Cuddyhunk Island near Martha's Vineyard while returning from a five-day cruise to Halifax, Nova Scotia, along the east coast of the United States and Canada. A combination of her speed, an uncharted shoal, and underestimating the increase in the ship's draft due to the effect of squat lead to the ship's hull-scraping rocks on the ocean floor. The accident resulted in the passengers disembarking earlier than scheduled at nearby Newport, Rhode Island, and the ship being taken out of service while temporary repairs were made in dry dock in Boston. Several days later, divers found red paint on previously uncharted rocks in the vicinity of where the ship was said to have hit bottom. 
By the mid-1990s, it was decided that QE2 was due for a new look, and in 1994, the ship was given a multi-million pound refurbishment in Hamburg code named Project Lifestyle. On September 11, 1995, the QE2 encountered a rogue wave estimated at 90 feet or 27 meters caused by Hurricane Lewis in the North Atlantic about 200 miles south of eastern Newfoundland. One year later, during her 20th world cruise, she completed her 4 millionth mile. The ship had sailed the equivalent of 185 times around the planet. The QE2 celebrated the 30th anniversary of her maiden voyage in Southampton in 1999. In three decades, she had 1,159 voyages, sailed 4,648,050 nautical miles, and carried over 2 million passengers. Following the 1998 acquisition of Cunard Line by Carnival Corporations, in 1999, QE2 was given a $30 million refurbishment, which included refreshing various public rooms and a new color palette in the passenger cabins. The Royal Promenade, which formerly housed upscale shops such as Burberry, H. Stern, and Aquistum, was replaced by boutiques typical of cruise ships, selling perfumes, watches, and logo items. During this refit, the hull was stripped to bare metal, and the ship repainted in the traditional canard colors of matte black with a white superstructure. In 2004, the vessel stopped plying the traditional transatlantic route and began full-time cruising, the transatlantic route having been assigned to Cunard's new flagship, the Queen Mary II. However, the QE2 still undertook an annual world cruise and regular trips around the Mediterranean. By this time, she lacked the amenities of to rival newer, larger cruise ships, but she still had unique features, such as her ballrooms, hospital, and 6,000-book library. QE2 retained her title of the fastest cruise ship afloat at 28.5 knots, with fuel economy at this speed at 49.5 feet to the gallon. While cruising at slower speeds, efficiency was approved to 125 feet per gallon. At the end of her 2005 world cruise, some pieces of her artwork were damaged when some crew members who had become inebriated at an onboard crew party went on a vandalism rampage through the public area of the ship. A unique tapestry of the QE2, commissioned for the launch of the ship, was thrown overboard by a drunken crewman. An oil painting of Queen Elizabeth II and two other tapestries were damaged, along with part of the entertainment area 
and a lifeboat. The crew members involved were dismissed from service with charges pending. On November 5, 2004, the Kiwi 2 became Cunard's longest serving express liner, surpassing RMS Aquintana's 35 years, while on September 4, 2005, during a call to the Port of Sydney, Nova Scotia, Kiwi 2 became the longest serving Cunard ever, surpassing even RMS Cynthia's record. On February 20, 2007, the QE2, while on her annual world cruise, met her running mate and successor flagship, Queen Mary II, herself on her maiden world cruise in Sydney Harbour, Australia. This was the first time two Cunard Queens had been brought together in Sydney since the original Queen Mary and Queen Elizabeth served as troop ships in 1941. On June 18, 2007, it was announced by Cunard that QE2 had been purchased by the Dubai investment company Isthmar for $100 million. Her retirement, in part, was forced by the oncoming June 2010 implementation of the International Convention for the Safety of Life at Sea regulations, which which would have forced large and expensive structural changes to have been implemented to the ship. In a ceremonial display before her retirement, the QE2 met the Queen Victoria and the Queen Mary II near the Statue of Liberty in New York City Harbor on January 13, 2008. With a celebratory fireworks display, the Queen Elizabeth II and the Queen Victoria had made a tandem crossing of the Atlantic for the meet. This marked for the first time three Cunard Queens had been present in the same location. Cunard stated this would be the last time these three particular ships would meet due to the impending retirement of the QE2. However, Due to a change in the QE2 schedule, the three ships met again in Southampton on April 22, 2008. QE2 shared the harbor at Zeebrug with Queen Victoria on July 19, 2008, where the two canards exchanged whistle blasts. On October 3, 2008, QE2 set off from Cork for Douglas Bay on her farewell tour of the British Isles before heading for Liverpool. She left Liverpool and arrived in Belfast on October 4, 2008, before moving to Greenock the next day. The ship's height, with funnels, makes it impossible to pass under the Erskine Bridge and Clydebank, so it missed that port of call. There, she was escorted by Royal Navy destroyer HMS Manchester and visited by the Balmoral. The farewell was viewed by large crowds and concluded with fireworks displays. QE2 then sailed around Scotland to the Firth of Forth 
on October 7, 2008, where she anchored in the shadows of the fourth bridge. The next day, following a RAF flypast, she left amidst a flotilla of small craft to head to Newcastle, Pontine, before returning to Southampton. QE2 completed her final Atlantic crossing from New York to Southampton in tandem with her successor, Queen Mary II. The two liners departed New York on October 16th and arrived in Southampton on October 22nd. This marked the end of the QE2's transatlantic voyages. On her final arrival to Southampton, QE2, on November 11, 2008, with 1,700 passengers and 1,000 crew on board, ran aground in the Solent at the Southampton water entrance at 5.26 a.m. The BBC reported, Kennard has confirmed it touched the bottom of the Bramble's turn, Sandbank, near Calshot, Southampton Water. With three tugs attached to her stern, a fourth tug secured a line to the ship's bow. Solent Coast Guard stated, five tugs were sent out to assist her getting off the sandbank and she was pulled off just before 6 a.m. She had been refloated and was underway under her own power and heading back to her berth in Southampton. She had only partially gone aground, and the tugs pulled her off. Once safely back at her berth, preparations continued for her farewell celebrations. These were led by Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, who toured the ship at great length. He visited areas of interest, including engine control room. He also met with current and former crew members. During this time, divers were sent down to inspect the hull for any possible damage caused by the vessel's earlier mishap. None was found. The QE-2 left Southampton docks for the final time at 19.15 Greenwich Mean Time on November 11, 2008 to begin her farewell voyage by the name of QE2's Final Voyage. Her ownership passed to Nakheel Properties, a company of Dubai World, on November 26, 2008. The decommissioning of the ship was particularly poignant for the QE2's only permanent resident, Patrice Mueller, aged 89, who lived on board in retirement for 14 years at a cost of some 3,500 pounds per month. At the time of her retirement, the QE2 had sailed nearly 6 million miles carried 2.5 million passengers and completed 806 transatlantic crossings. 
the design of the QE2 was impeccable. The exterior, like both the Normandy and the France, the QE2 had a flared stem and clean forecastle. What was controversial at the time was that Kennard decided not to paint the funnel with the line's distinctive color and pattern, something that had been done on all merchant vessels since the first Kennard ship, the RMS Britannia, sailed in 1840. Instead, the funnel was painted white and black with the Kennard orange-red appearing only on the inside of the wind scoop. This practice ended in 1983 when the QE2 returned from service in the Falkland Wars and the funnel had been painted in Kennard traditional colors, orange and black, with black horizontal bands known as hands ever since. The original pencil-like funnel was replaced in 1986 with a more robust one when the ship was converted from steam to diesel power. Large quantities of aluminum were used in the framing and cladding of the QE2 superstructure. This decision was designed to save weight, reducing the draft of the ship and lowering the fuel consumption but it also posed the possibility of corrosion problems that can occur with joining of dissimilar metals together. So a joining compound was coated between the steel and aluminum surfaces to prevent this happening. The low melting point of aluminum caused concern when the QE2 was serving as a troop ship during the Falkland Wars. Some feared that if the ship were struck by a missile, as was the HMS Sheffield, her upper decks would collapse quickly due to fire, thereby causing greater casualties. In 1972, the first penthouse suites were added in an aluminum structure on the signal deck and sports deck, now known as the sun deck, behind the ship's bridge. And, in 1977, this structure was expanded to include more suites with balconies, making the QE2 one of the first ships to offer private terraces to passengers since the Normandy in the 1930s. QE2's balcony accommodations was expanded for the final time during QE2's 1986-1987 refurbishment in Bremmer Haven. During this refit, the ship was given a new wider funnel built using panels from the original. It retained the traditional canard colors. QE2's final structural changes included the reworking of the aft decks during the 1994 refit, following the removal of the Magradome and the addition of an undercover area on sun deck during her 2005 refit, creating a space known as Funnel Bar. The interior was beautiful too. The Queen Elizabeth II's interior configuration was laid out in a horizontal fashion, similar to the SS France, where the space dedicated to the two classes were spread horizontally on specific decks, in contrast to the vertical class division of older lines. Where the QE2 differed from the France was that the first class deck, the quarter deck, 
was below the deck dedicated to tourist class, the upper deck. Originally, there was to be main lounges serving three classes, layered one on top of the other. But when Kennard decided to make the ship a two-class vessel, only two main lounges were needed. Instead of completely reconfiguring the boat deck, the ship's architect simply opened a well in the deck between what were to have been the second and third class lounges, creating a double high space known as the double room, now known as the grand lounge. This too was unconventional in that it designated a grander two-story space for tourists in class passengers while first-class passengers gathered in standard height, known as the Queen's Room. However, the configuration for segregated Atlantic crossings gave first-class passengers the theater balcony on boat deck, while tourist class used the orchestra level on the upper deck. Over the span of her 39-year seagoing career, the QE2 has had a number of interior refits and alterations. The year she came into service, 1969, was also the year the Apollo 11 mission, when the Concorde's prototype was unveiled, and the previous year Stanley Kubrick's film, 2001, A Space Odyssey, premiered. In keeping with those times, Originally, Kennard broke from the traditional interiors of the previous liners for the QE2, especially the Art Deco style of the previous queens. Instead, modern materials like plastic laminates, aluminum, and plexiglass were used. Furniture was modular and abstract. Art was used throughout the public rooms and cabins. The midship's lobby on two-deck where first-class passengers boarded for their transatlantic journeys and all passenger boarded for cruises was a circular room with a sunken seating area in the center with green leather-clad banquets and surrounded by chrome railing. As a kingpin to this was a flared, white, trumpeted-shaped, uplit column. Another room where the QE2's advanced interior design was demonstrated was the first-class lounge, the Queen's Room on quarter deck. This space, in colors of white and tan, featured a recessed, slotted ceiling and indirect lighting, as well as the columns were flared in the same fashion as the one on midship's lobby, with recessed uplighting and also reflecting the shape of the bases of the tables and the leather shell chairs. The theater bar on upper deck featured red chairs, red drapes, a red egg crate fiberglass screen, and even a red baby grand piano. Some more traditional materials like wood veneer were used as highlights throughout the ship, especially in passenger corridors and staterooms. There was also an observation bar on the quarter deck, a successor to its namesake, located in similar locations on both previous queens, which offered views through large windows over the ship's bow. The room 
was lost in the QE2's 1972 refit, becoming galley space with the forward-facing windows plated over. In the 1994 refit, almost all of the remaining original decor was replaced, with Kennard opting to reverse the original design direction of the QE2 designers and use the line's traditional ocean liners as an inspiration. The green velvet and leather midship bar became the Art Deco-inspired chart room, receiving an original custom-designed piano from the Queen Mary. The by-now-blue-dominated theater bar was transformed into the Golden Lion Pub, which mimics a traditional Edwardian pub. Some original elements were retained, including the flared columns in the Queen's Room and midship lobbies, which were incorporated into the reworked designs. By the time of her retirement, the synagogue was the only room that had remained unaltered since 1969. However, it was reported that during the QE2's October 22nd five-night voyage, the synagogue was carefully dismantled before being removed from the ship prior to her final sailing to Dubai. The QE2 had many artworks and many artifacts. The Queen Elizabeth II holds pieces of artwork as well as maritime artifacts drawn from Cunard's long history of operating merchant vessels. In the Morantania restaurant, since Althea Wine's sculpture of the white horse of the Atlantic Ocean, there are bronze busts of both Sir Samuel Cunard outside of the Yacht Club and Queen Elizabeth II in the Queen's Room. The Princess Grill holds four lifestyle statues of human forms representing the four elements, done by sculptor Janie Janet in marine materials like shell and coral. The chart room's frieze was designed by Brody Nevenshotter and depicts the words of T.S. Eliot, Sir Francis Jake, and John Mansfield. The midship's lobby holds a solid silver model of the Queen Elizabeth II made by Asprey of Bond Street in 1975, which was lost until a photograph was found in 1997 that led to the discovery of the model itself and its placement on the QE2 in 1999. In E-Stairway hangs three custom-designed tapestries commissioned from Helena Barinha Hemrick for the ship's launch that depicts the Queen as well as the launch of the ship. These tapestries, which were originally hung in the D-Stairway quarter deck outside the Columbia restaurant, were damaged in 2005 after crew members got drunk after a crew party and vandalized the ship. They were originally made with golden threads, however much of this was lost when they were cleaned incorrectly as part of the 1987 refit. There are numerous photographs oils and pastels of members of the royal family throughout the vessel, and silver plaques commemorating the visits of every member of the royal family, as well as other dignitaries like South African President Nelson Mandela. Among the artifacts on board is a set of antique Japanese armors presented by the QE2 
by the governor of Kashimi, Japan, during her 1979 world cruise, and a Wedgwood vase presented to the ship by Lord Wedgwood. Items from previous Cunard ships include a brass relief plaque with a fish motif from the RMS Marantania, 1906, and an Art Deco base relief titled Winged Horse and Clouds by Norman Foster from RMS Queen Elizabeth. There is also a vast array of canard postcards, porcelain, flatware, boxes, linen, and Line Brothers triangminic model ships. One of her key pieces is a replica of the figurehead from Cunard's first ship, RMS Britannia, carved from the Quebec yellow pine by Cornish sculptor Charles Moore and presented to the ship by Lloyds of London. On the upper deck sits the silver Boston commemorative cup presented to Britannia by the city of Boston in 1840. This cup was lost for decades until being found in a pawn shop in Halifax, Nova Scotia. On two deck is a bronze entitled Spirit of Atlantic, which was designed by Barney Seal for the second RMS Marantania in 1938. A large wooden plaque was presented to the QE2 by the First Sea Lord John Fieldhouse to commemorate the ship's service as a hired military transport in the Falkland War. There is also an extensive collection of large-scale models of canard ships throughout the QE2. The majority of crew were accommodated in two or four bed berth cabins, with showers and toilets at the end of each alleyway. They were located forward and aft on decks three through six. At the time she entered service, the crew areas were a significant improvement over those aboard the RMS Queen Mary and RMS Queen Elizabeth. However, the ship's age and lack of renovation of the crew areas during her 40 years of service, in contrast to passenger areas, which were updated periodically, meant that this accommodation was considered basic by the end of her career. Officers were accommodated in single cabins with private in-suit bathrooms located on sun deck. There were three crew bars, one named the Pig and Whistle, the Pig for short and a tradition aboard canard ships. The others were castaways and the Focusal Club. A fourth bar dedicated for the officers is located at the forward end of the boat deck. Named the Officer's Wardroom, this area enjoyed forward-facing views and was often open to passengers for cocktail parties hosted by senior officers. The crew mess was situated at the forward end of Deck 1, adjacent to the crew services office. After the ship was launched, the QE-2 was fitted out with a steam turbine propulsion system utilizing three Foster Wheeler ESDI-2 boilers, which provided steam for the two brown pemetretal turbines. The turbines were rated with a maximum power output figure of 110,000 shaft horsepower, normally 
operating around 94,000 horsepower, and were coupled to six to two six-bladed fixed-pitched propellers. The steam turbines were plagued with problems from the time the ship first entered service and, despite being technically advanced and fuel efficient in 1968, her consumption of 600 tons of fuel every 24 hours was more than expected for such a ship by the 1980s. After 17 years of service, the availability of spare parts was becoming difficult due to the outdated design of the boilers and turbines and Kennard decided that the options were either to do nothing for the remainder of the ship's life, reconfigure the existing engines, or re-engine the vessel with a more efficient diesel-electric power plant. Ultimately, it was decided to replace the engines, as it was calculated that the savings in fuel cost and maintenance would pay for themselves over four years, and give the vessel a minimum of another 20 years of service, whereas other options would only provide short-term relief. Her steam turbines had taken her to a record-breaking total of 2,622,858 miles in only 18 years. During the ship's 1986-1987 refit, the steam engines, the steam turbines were removed and scrapped. The engine rooms were then fitted with nine German Mann L5864 nine-cylinder medium-speed diesel engines, each weighing approximately 120 tons. Using a diesel-electric configuration, each engine drives a generator, each developing 10.5 megawatts of electrical power at 10,000 volts. This electrical plant, in addition to powering the ship's auxiliary and hotel services through transformers, drives the two main propulsion motors, one on each propeller shaft. These motors produce 44 megawatts each and are synchronized salient pole construction, 9 meters in diameter and weighing more than 400 tons each. The ship's service speed of 28.5 knots can be maintained using only 7 of the diesel-electric sets. Her maximum power output with the new engine configuration was now 130,000 horsepower, which is greater than the previous system's 110,000 horsepower. Using the same IBF 380 Bunker C fuel, the new configuration yield 35% fuel savings over the previous system. During the re-engineing process, her funnel was replaced by a wider one in order to accommodate the exhaust pipes from the nine B&W diesel engines. The Queen herself launched the ship with the words, I name this ship Queen Elizabeth II. Your journey is now ending. You are now leaving the Sapphire Planet.
Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet. Now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.